0: Three, two, one. Anthony Darby. Chuck Ken. We are live with Alec from G-Leaf Processing. We are super stoked um, today. This is kind of... It's tough to count episodes, but I guess if you were counting, like, episode three of season two, we had uh, Nurse Laura on on episode one, and then... Oh, actually, four now, because we had Nurse Laura, we had Cam from Shore Natural. I'm sure you guys... You guys ever met?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know
0: um, They're cool guys. Last Monday, I had the privilege of going on-site uh, with Vario, and we hosted some veterans. Nice. And we did, like, a veterans event, and we hosted a podcast with... Um, with five members of uh, five veterans, um, and did a veterans-focused podcast. So we've gotten a couple in so far, but um, I'm super excited to uh, to talk some processing. As I kind of mentioned in the last few podcasts, like my personal consumption has really shifted towards processed products, and I feel bad about it and guilty that like I don't have this love for for flour that I used to have. But unfortunately, or fortunately, these guys at G Leaf and a couple of others in the industry are putting out some so amazing, super amazing products with terpene levels that are phenomenal and some really just um, quality products that if, if you're not looking for that old-fashioned sensation of smoking flour and you're looking for, for true terpene profiles, it's it's tough to match. I would argue they're the best in the country. So that being said, Alec, give everyone a little bit of uh, an idea of kind of who you are and, and what your role is with G-Leaf.
1: Um, yeah, I'm, my name is Alec Basson. I'm the lab director for G-Leaf. Um, my role is designing and running the extraction lab down in Bishopville, Maryland, as well as the new lab up in Saxton, Pennsylvania. Um, I grew up in New York, uh, moved to Colorado in about 2014, and I took a job at. So how old were you when you moved out to Colorado to get into the industry? I was about 22 or 23 years old. Did you go to school before that, or were you just kind of, were you doing different jobs? or? Um, so I went to school for one year, dropped out of college, and I was working for my father in New York at a fabric retail store. He owned the business, and he was kind of guiding me to take over for him one day. You had a different idea.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I, had, I, had a, I had a little bit
1: of a different idea. So you say, Pops,
2: uh, I appreciate the opportunity, but I'm going to go try this thing in Colorado. And Did you have any connections before you went out there, or is it kind of just, I'm going to go out there because this is my dream? Mm. Um, I had just no connections
1: out. within the industry. I have an uncle and two cousins that live in Boulder, Colorado. So I was able to at least bunk with them for the first couple of months. And... Um, Yeah, pretty much told my dad that selling fabric was not the thing that I love to do. And uh, I took a job at $10 an hour as an extraction assistant in a lab in Boulder. So um, what
0: I hear there (laughs) from my ears is the passion to get into the industry was enough that you're willing to take huge risks, you're willing to to pack up everything and bunk up with some relatives, you're willing to take a huge pay cut, you're willing to really kind of have a I'll do whatever it takes mentality to to get into the industry. Yes, sir. And a lot of people express that, but when the rubber hits the road and it comes time to actually sacrifice and, and do it and do it, so many folks waver and uh, I immediately as someone who did the same thing and, you know, uh, I, I have a lot of admiration and, and passion, and um, know that um, the patients in Maryland are now benefiting from these sacrifices that you made, you know, five and six years ago. So, um, we have a converse, conversation with Daddy. Move out to Colorado, and you get into an extraction lab, which is
2: kind of like your dream, right? It was literally my dream, and. So you were you sorry? Were you, you always after the extraction portion of the business and the processing stuff? Not so much like growing and so all that. So I or
1: originally moved out to become a grower, realized how flooded that side of the market was out there. So after about three months of applying to any and every dispensary grow, I realized that you know it was more difficult than I thought. Um, so one of the first jobs that I got an offer for was an extraction assistant at uh, the Growing Kitchen in Boulder. So after three months of getting a whole bunch of no's, I immediately accepted the job and looked at it as an opportunity to just work and do what I love.
0: Are you uh, are you putting labels on stuff? Are you packing? Like what are you doing as a dispenser, as, as a processing assistant, or are you actually in the nitty gritty?
1: I was. Prepping machines, um, cleaning. I was pretty much just uh, packing columns, unpacking columns, cleaning, prepping everything for the lead extractor and the lab manager.
0: Did you have a cool, like, mentorish style lead? Very, like, so someone, you were at least um, able to, to really, like, this is like a learning experience, right? Yeah. like an apprenticeship. Is, it was is
1: definitely that? an apprenticeship. Um, The lead extractor ended up becoming a long-term friend who I'm still in contact with, and he took me under my wing and essentially taught me everything that he knew. And I find that um, when you can find those opportunities in
0: the industry, they're amazing. They don't happen all the time, but like... Manny from GTI was talking about his interaction with Cordoza and like you find these different opportunities where you can meet someone who's established in the industry. And if you are legit, and we can see that uh, authenticness in you and and see that people really want to hustle and get better there are a lot of ways that people will take you under their wing and and will adopt you and you can learn from some of the best in the industry. But once again, like I gotta imagine if you didn't go in there just willing to bust ass and had the drive and passion that you did, those folks normally aren't going, like we're typically don't go out of their way to find mentees, they typically don't go out of their way to find folks to help. It's typically like, all right, this kid's proved himself so now I can have a few seconds of life to invest. I'll, I'll give it to him. Kind yep. of deal. Um, so, how long were you in Colorado
1: processing in that role? Um, so, I was at that company for about uh, two years. So, eons in the cannabis industry.
0: Yeah.
1: well collect a pension at that point. Right.
0: Um,
1: and did you get a promotion or um, did you get an opportunity to...? So, about four months into that job, uh, he actually quit and then I ended up filling his role Um, so that was my promotion about four months in, they bought me from 10 to $18 an hour and I was living the life.
0: (laughs) Um, and, uh, you rolled with that for two more years.
1: And then is that when you moved to Maryland? No, I got another job, uh, designing another lab in Denver and, uh, you know just so you proved yourself and once again I mentioned eons of two years but like so now with your two years of
0: experience in the marketplace you actually are differentiating yourself right from 90% of the competition now you're able to get into I'd say a leader position if you're designing and and working on a build out of an extraction facility then you're kind of you're starting to call your own shots now so now you're going less from a rank and file employee to now more of kind of calling some of the shots and you did that for how long? Uh, that was another two years.
1: And then then what happened? Um, and then I got a job offer from Greenleaf Medical to uh, come out back to the East Coast. And uh, Philip Goldberg and Kevin Goldberg and Eric Berman, they uh, flew me out here. I was able to meet them, see how cool of people they were. And it was an opportunity for me to do what I love closer to home. Did you want to get back to the East Coast? Like, was that a kind of, a, a,
0: as? I mean, so you're, you're over out the West and you're like, man, I move all the way out here, and now all of a sudden that, these yeah. guys
2: start <laughs> popping
1: up, right? Yeah, pretty much, I mean, I really, really loved my time on the West Coast. Um, Colorado is definitely a very close home for me, but, uh, you know, being closer to friends and family as I get older, I realize how much more important that is in in my life.
0: Yeah. As we all do, um, you know, 22-year-old me was willing to go anywhere and everywhere and pretty yep. much take on any job for the right compensation package, and now there's just like so much more that's involved with yep. kids and family and getting older and understanding the quality of life and like you only get one crack at this thing and like, you know, you need time to be able to, to see friends and family. It's important
2: for all the younger people who are listening, you know, life changes quick, so if you want something... Go out and get it. Do put it, the, hour, yeah, go, go put the it hours. Put the hours. Do it while you're young. Put the hours in while you're young, so you can not not necessarily reap the benefits later, but it will put you in a better spot. in Life. And the truth is,
0: is that the the decisions that you made as a young twenty year old man you may not have the same opportunities to be able to do those same sacrifices at 35. I couldn't no matter what passion I had, I couldn't go take a job for $10 an yeah. hour now I have kids to feed. Yep. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> um take so the rest some when you're of it's just is there's opportunities to be evaluated as well and and I would argue yeah that if you know if you're younger and you're unhappy now this you have more opportunity now with less things like kids and spouses and and just life responsibilities as you get older. Um so I you know that's that's really neat in terms of the transition of of establishing yourself in Colorado and then getting an opportunity to get closer to home and kind of go from a really saturated market where you're kind of one of a bunch in Denver and Boulder in yep. Colorado to coming to the East Coast where you're one of 15, and um, just a little backstory. <clears throat> so uh, he mentioned Greenleaf Medical um, coming to him. Greenleaf Medical originally did not have a cult uh, processing license. Uh, G Leaf only applied for a cultivation license, which is is odd. Um, that they didn't apply for a dispensary or processing, although now they have all the above. So they have a dispensary in Frederick, their grow is in Frederick, and they purchased a former processor of a smaller uh, operation of Maplayer out of Bishopville. And for us, you know, we take so much pride on the Eastern shore. We were so happy because we really liked the guys at G leaf and that facility wasn't really being utilized to its capacity. And, uh, we heard that those guys had taken over the Bishopville and that they were keeping it in Bishopville, whether they wanted to or not. I know they were keeping it in Bishopville. Um, it was, uh, it was really exciting. So you, um, so I assume that you you come on board at what, like, what date, like when are you? March 1st of 2018. So the, we're open for four months at that time and uh, the program is, is evolved, but still very much evolving. Uh, there's still a lot of, at that point, growers there and processors are coming on like every month or two. Um, so you go down and you see the
1: facility and you say, we got to make some changes? Yeah, um, <laughs> definitely. Uh, the changes that I saw were... It was pretty much a building with a couple of tables in it and cabinets. We had to build a Class 1, Division 1 fume booth and uh, rip up a bunch of carpets so that we're not creating all this static electricity and essentially try and make it as much of a GMP facility as we can. That's,
0: um, that's a really... It's good manufacturing processes. It's a certification that um, pharmaceutical um, processors and just all other manufacturers um, adhere to. I know that Curio is officially the first GMP in Maryland. They got their certification last week. Um, but I know that it's something that both the CBD industry and the cannabis industry are going to be really pushing towards. It's it's like standard in most industries and there's no reason why cannabis and, and hemp shouldn't be following the same way. So I appreciate that you're coming in with that kind of a mindset of we're not not making shatter out of our garage anymore, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, we're an a true processor exactly. facility. We need that here to standard operating procedures and protocols and legitimize this as a medicine and, and have that level of safety. Um, so that's awesome. So you come in and say we're going to do this a little, a little differently. Mm-hmm.
1: How long before you got there before
0: you actually start
1: making products? Like, um, So I was making solventless right off the bat. We were doing ice water extraction, bubble hash and rosin. Remember that? Um, and then it took us about six months to turn that facility around to a point where we started ordering equipment to where we were signed off by the county to uh, start doing butane propane extractions. Did you extractions. have any issues
0: with Worcester County?
1: No issues at all. They were the most helpful county. Uh, Any questions I had, they answered. I pretty much went up to the county's office. I said, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. I need um, mechanical, electrical uh, updates. Uh, What do I do? And um, they said, um, give me an architectural plan and these are the three certifications that you have to get finished before we could write off and I did everything that they asked me to do and they came and wrote us off Beautiful first it first time. Bad. Yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: for those that don't understand the significance of that story,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oftentimes uh, applicants did exactly what they were told to do, but then when they came back, they were asked to do more or change. Or um, yep. sometimes when you deal with these municipalities, it could almost seem like the re- like the it's a constant like moving target on purpose. And I can tell you that our experience with Wicomico County and the city of Salisbury was just like yours. We um explained that, you know, this was a new thing for everyone and we wanted to work hand in hand with the police and with the city and the county and go through this together and be transparent and they seemed to be very welcoming of that and we had we had an amazing, you know, relationship with those folks. Yep, they're really good people. Um so let's get into some of the things that makes you guys different from uh your competition and i know that for me one of the things is the single source right so i know you guys are are pride yourselves on on being able to kind of from soup to nuts from from seed to finest finished product uh, G-Leaf is gonna maintain custody and control of of that process and product all the way through and, and you find that to be super important, right? Very important. So explain challenges, so explain why you feel that way and then explain um, some of the challenges if you're not able to produce your own that you know other processors are dealing with.
1: Um, so one of the benefits of producing everything from seed to finish is having control over all of the variables that you wanna dial in. Um, So you're in control of the genetics that you're growing, what fertilizer you're using, the flushing times you're using to flush out those nutrients during the flowering stage, what lights you have, uh, the climate, CO2, um, the harvesting methods, curing methods, fresh frozen methods. Uh, You have full control over everything. So let me
0: interrupt you. So you say full control. Is there, are there ever, like, these, like, I'm picturing, like, so you say full control, I'm picturing you having, like, what you want, and then I'm picturing, like, a head of cultivation saying, well, I want this, and there being phone calls where, like, there's, like, a little give and take. Is that what happens,
1: or? Oh, everything is uh, team-based, so our executive team, we get together, we discuss how we could improve the product, and we make decisions as a team
0: typically what's good for you is good for everybody kind of deal so that like there's a yeah, lot of Yeah what's good for them is
1: usually what's good for me and there's some small minor changes that we make but you know it's usually pretty small
2: and when you guys are when you guys are you know figuring out the Growing portion of it and what the plant with the harvest, how much would strain. Do you have specific strains in mind that when you know when you plant them in the ground, they're going right to you guys at the processing facility?
1: Uh, we do have a couple of those strains. Um, one of those strains is the Air Force One. Um, that strain is generally a bigger yielder on our end, so um, it makes really great terpene profiles. So you know, we're just constantly building data on all the strains that we're running and the strains that better suit our needs are most likely going to come our way when they're going to harvest them. When they go to take those vegging plants, put them into their flowering room on those tables, usually uh, the director of cultivation will say, all right, this table is going right to processing. Let's see if he wants fresh frozen uh, cured product. um and then we'll just discuss everything as a team. Really, that's awesome that you guys are able to work collaboratively yeah. like that.
0: Um, and I know it makes a difference. And like I know that um, what I what I've been under, able to understand is like with the fresh frozen products, which is what I naturally go to. Um, personally, I love like the the live res products, and I've seen how important it is. And like when we went towards Sunmed. They sell a lot to Calta and like Calta goes on site and like puts those tape around like this yep. product and has like exact procedures of it needs to be in the freezer within like a certain period of time of it being harvested and all of that. Because what we can tell is that the finished product, mainly to me, terpenes is what I think about more than anything else. Like the difference of drying curing or fresh frozen or what happens to that plant in the finishing stage before it gets to you really impacts your ability to, to to make a, fi- a finished product. I think sometimes people dumb down processing because they think about the vape carts and stuff where, quite frankly, no matter what they give you, you guys are smart enough to have the technology to get the rest of the crap out, get the THC out, and throw it in a distillate cartridge. Yep. That's like the lowest hanging fruit, the part of uh, the tour that I just roll my eyes at. Yep. I get excited about the fresh frozen stuff when I see even, um, and you guys were, I think, I don't know if you guys were the first ones to do the rosin and the, ha- and the bubble hash, um, but definitely one of the first. And I went and watched Vario doing some of that process as well the other day. And like, even the solventless processes that are just using pressure and a little bit of heat are still like amazing to watch. Yep. Do you guys have any? Are you guys still doing some of those?
1: Yep, we're still doing solventless. And <clears throat> that product is dried and cured still? Um, so, what we like to do is uh, we like to wash fresh frozen through bubble hash, and then we dry out that bubble hash and then press the bubble hash. Got it. So, it's technically coming from fresh frozen, um, so it gets that live rosin name. I have a
0: um, very specific answer on this, and I'm not trying to call out any of the other processors, but I kind of am because you're a purist. I saw a live res product that had botanical derived terpenes added into it. How does that make
2: you feel? <laughs> 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 Brandon, got a picture of your face when Darby <laughs> <laughs> the came out of his mouth <laughs> exactly um, right
1: yeah, I don't know why you would need to add terpenes into live resin products or any full spectrum you know extracts that's coming right from good products
0: um in full transparency do you do you ever feel like you're missing out because um like you see someone else with like a product out there and you're like man I wish I had access to like I don't know Curious Juice or like another like phenomenal strain out in the marketplace 100%. and you're like man if I had, had that I could 100%. do X, Y, Z with it um, so it's cool that you have single source um, I guess honestly though I mean like G Leaf does, you know, they're definitely one of the best in putting out a good variety of strains and their stuff flies off the shelf. You know, I'm constantly hammering Steve for for more product. So if you have to be single source, you definitely got, you know, a good place to get that from. And I assume that you guys will see. Is G Leaf, do
1: they have any cultivation expansion going on right now? Um, We currently are expanding our square footage by about double. So I would expect some more product on the processing and cultivation end, maybe about halfway through the year next year.
0: That's awesome. We need it desperately, as I'm sure you know. Yep. Um, do you have any thoughts? I'm going to jump around a little bit, but if, it's, if that's okay with you, have any yeah, thoughts totally. about this vape stuff? Yeah.
1: What are your thoughts? Um, the vape products, as long as you're testing your trim beforehand and after, uh, after extraction, it and it passes everything; it it it's, should be clean. Um, there is that vitamin E acetate, uh, I guess, epidemic right now. Um, we don't use any of that. We just use cannabis and terpenes, and you know, just make sure the vendors you're getting from are safe. Um, do you think it, Do you think it can be limited down to just the vitamin E acetate?
0: Like, do you think that that's? I think it's hard to just say it's one thing. That's, that's where I'm at. I think. Um, because I've seen horrible tech, like hardware I've seen like the, the C-cell ripoff technology that's just right. nasty from China and I know how shitty that could be with leeching yep. um, I know that when I see like I call them the douche whistles and they're blowing out like what looks like a smoke machine full of cotton candy flavored something like that can't be healthy that can't be healthy (laughs) Um, so like I think that there's a couple different things playing here but I've always and still do say that the products that we have in our dispensary are 100% safe the vendors that we deal with have told us that there's no vitamin E acetate in any of our products now we are going to know for sure through the state of Maryland since they're doing the testing and um, the last piece for me I'm still I'm still going to be on the the cannabis drive terpene boat like I just I feel safer personally yep. i know that food grade terpenes um have been you know proven to be healthy but i know that there's a longer history behind cannabis drive terpenes being inhaled and being smoked then. definitely
1: um, so not- we actually just um we started doing some R and D on a steam distiller to extract our own cannabis drive terpenes um, so far we've done a couple of batches in-house and um they've came they've come out really really good so the next Is there m- ever
0: a model where they're extracting just for
1: terpenes? Like to a yeah. point that like someone's just selling cannabis dried terpenes? Um for sure, and that's through steam distillation. And I know there's also uh, some CO two machines will actually catch your terpenes before you start extracting for cannabinoids. So there's definitely methods to do it. I guess
0: it's a volume issue though, right? Like you'd have to I mean like if I were to get to the point where I'm able to sell like cannabis
1: dried meer scene, I'm having to run like a lot of material, a lot of material. So if you look at cannabis which could be <laughs> 25 to 30% THC, when you do an extraction on that, you're typically going to see a 25 to 30% return. That same cannabis that's 25 to 30% in cannabinoids is also one to 3% in terpenes. So if you do your yield on that, you're expending all of this material for to get one or one to three. basis points worth yeah. of. Uh, <laughs> so you you put a pound in your steam distiller and you're getting five to 10 grams of terpenes. I think there's tremendous value on that because you could always, uh, I guess, free free, you could always rerun it. You could freeze dry your, you know, your biomass, take the take the water out of it, take all that uh, steam that you just pushed through it, dry it out, and then rerun that for your cannabinoids. So, you know, there's always ways and methods to do everything. It just depends on how
2: much effort and manpower you want to give to the it, processing side. The new kind of technology and stuff like that is going to evolve as the industry evolves. Like, people just 100%. have to remember it's
1: such an infinite industry. Well, when you started two, in like, 2014, were you just making shatter all day? Um, so it was crumble and shatter. And if the shatter didn't break on the table, people didn't want it. And if the crumble was wet at any point, people assumed that it was butane soup. So
2: it was crumble and shatter butane back soup. then. I forgot. I had not
0: heard the butane soup butane in a long time,
1: but that was like, that was what, yeah. yeah. It was
2: just pretty much two products in 2014.
1: It was, for the most part, two products. We did some solventless and, um, we did a lot of decarbed oil for the kitchen.
0: We talked to um, someone like in, Cal- in like the California industry, like 15 years ago, who was telling us when he remembers the days when the trash company would come by and pick up all the trim. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Like, they just they they didn't evaluate you know the uses for it and things yep. like that. It wasn't and there. It was just crazy. Did. So, mm-hmm. um, so mm-hmm. would have been all right. So. What are some of the like the, the largest drivers of innovation right now in the concentrates game? Because um, we're constantly seeing, you know, I, I, I struggle to see where we're going. Um, I now have 99% diamonds and baller jars yeah.
1: from G-Leaf and I don't know that I could ask for anything else more. So what else can I ask for? <laughs> Tell me what I can expect. Um, I feel like right now, the things that are driving the, the cannabis industry and the processing side are, dialing in your concentrates to get them as pure as possible to where you're only getting cannabinoids and terpenes where everything else is a contamination. So, that's kind of, you know, that's where all the machines are heading towards and just trying to get everything as clean as possible. And obviously right now everybody wants terpenes. So, the terpier you can get stuff through fresh frozen and live resin is Does that make you excited? Very excited. Because for
0: me, um, in the state of Maryland, I've been able to just be this terpene, just snob of snobs because we have the most amazing products in our industry. Um, When people would first come in and they were just hammering us over THC content and we're we're educating on terps, we're educating on terps. The other day I was like getting snobby over some terps and I'm like, I wonder if now we're almost like, Doing the same thing where we're just like trying to get stat hungry on on terp profiles and we're kind of losing maybe
1: the point is that happening a little bit or no um i don't think so i think good. that's progressing because good. good your your nose knows what it likes and terpenes is essentially what's going to guide your high on what what you feel so your terpenes, whether it's heavy on myrcene, is gonna typically couch lock you. Mm-hmm. Um, some people like flavor, so you have your terpenoline, D-limonene, so it's really all about the terpenes. And that's where the industry should be heading towards. Yeah, like we have a lot of patients that avoid pining. You know, it
0: seems to be one that um, has adverse effects for a lot of folks. If you have PTSD or you have high anxiety, you're not gonna wanna to have a nice extract with three, 4%, pining in it it's not going to be a good time yep. um, but if you're trying to stay alert and you got a bunch to do you might find that that's actually pretty invigorating so yep. it's interesting um, the turf profiles and I think I'm glad I'm happy to hear that and I'm happy to hear that the market is is going in that way because it was so frustrating when someone comes in oh I can't have anything that's less than 25% THC and you got a 21%er that's high Amircene and beta and you know it's going to do exactly what they need it to do but they had this preconceived notion in their head yeah. Um, do you see any? Are there any products that are going to be significantly different from what we see right now? Like, I mean, diamonds and sauce is something that honestly I never even heard of until the Maryland program started talk, discussing it. It wasn't on my radar. Are there are there any other products that are really popular out west or that that still just
1: haven't cracked the Maryland market? Or are we in Maryland pretty much? Um, the top of the game. The yeah, top of the game. I'd say we're very progressive in Maryland. Everything that's out in the West Coast is available here. Um, but I would say like two months in the processing side of the industry is like two years in any other industry. So I would say just keep your eyes peeled. There's going to be new things coming out. Um, it's just always something new. Uh, One of the new products that's coming out in
0: Maryland is going to be edibles. And um, we have soft lozenges that look a lot like gummies in our dispensary now. They're called trochies. Which are soft lozenges. Which are soft lozenges. Soft lozenges is a legal term I'm allowed to use. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, So we've started to see some variations of things that are orally digested, and they're really popular <laughs> with patients, as you can imagine. Yep. So, um, I know that the commission is supposed to meet today,
2: I think? I think sometime this week, Sometime yeah.
0: this week, to start really getting into the details of how they're going to enact this edibles bill, oh, but what are you guys doing to ramp up for it?
1: Um, so, right now, we are you know, discussing with our executive team on what type of edible products that we want to do. I know that Chocolate bars and you know all forms of lozenges or gummies or whatever you want to call them is definitely on our radar, and just gonna try and keep it vegan, gluten free. You know, just trying. Oh, and,
2: and you guys are gonna? I guess you guys are gonna use the single source stuff for all oh. the edible material too. So it's yep. all coming straight from G Leaf. So you know exactly what's in it. <laughs> it's tested through the program. There G- One
0: thing I don't think G Leaf does. Um, so we've seen other. Cultivators and processors will link up with like a national brand, like a Dixie, or um, you know, yeah, Betty's Eddies, or some of these other ones. You guys typically don't seek out those partnerships. You guys like to do everything kind of yourselves in
1: house. Yep, we like to do it in house. If we put our brains together, I feel like there's nothing we can't do. That's awesome. Um, when do you, when
0: do you guys think we'll see edibles in the market?
1: Um, I would give it a couple of months, realistically, on a mass scale. Do you think 2020, though, is the year that it happens that
0: our patients will likely see them before the end of 2020? Yeah, I hope so. I hope so, too. Yeah, I hope as long as we get our new vault and pick it up the yeah. whole <laughs> That's, that's, that's I'm like, <laughs> <laughs>
2: I want it so bad, but I don't because I don't have anywhere to put it right now. <laughs>
0: yeah, It's... uh, And uh,
1: what about PA? How's PA's program ramping up? Uh, PA's program is... Really pretty solid. It's a little different than here um, in the case that there are no edibles, there are no pre rolls. Do they have flour now? Yeah, they have the, flour. Do they have flour to start with, a PI? I'm not sure about that, to be honest. We're, we're coming in a little late on the industry compared to everybody else, but right now we're just pushing flour and concentrates. Um, And everything is, everything, every product has to get approved through the Department of Health, no matter what it is. And it's just a more timely process than Maryland, where if I have this new concentrate that I want to put out in Maryland, I put it through metrics, send it out for testing, it gets passed through uh, all the third-party testing and then it's on your shelf.
2: So each individual new product you come out with has to go to the Pennsylvania Board of Health or whoever yep. supervises the program there before it hits the shelves. And then you have to get approval <coughs> for that product itself, then you can go to the manufacturing and the testing of it.
1: Yeah, we have to get the, <coughs> the packaging and the product approved.
0: So do you have like a right-hand man in Pennsylvania, like, like someone underneath you that's kind of like doing the day-to-day stuff or are you splitting your time 50-50? Do you, like, do you the exact same role at both places or
1: um, I'm just kind of guiding the extraction labs and both right now I'm probably 80% up there and 20% down here and uh, we have just a brand new team who's everybody's working really really hard up there and uh, I think both facilities are amazing that's awesome now you guys are were licensed in Virginia as well correct yep when will that start I would say sometime in 2020, probably early 2020. That's awesome, that's awesome.
0: Where, um, is it geographically, do you know geographically where you guys will be now
1: in Virginia? Uh, right outside of Richmond. Nice. Yeah, so it's going to be a fun facility. That's really cool. Um, what
0: other states are you guys in besides Virginia, Maryland, and Pennsylvania?
1: Um, we applied for a couple others that I don't typically want to say right now, sure, sure, sure. but um, right now those are the, the three the that we operation. have uh, approved licenses in. That's awesome. Um, anything else you want to get into when you got a chance in a microphone? Um, I really just wanted to say uh, thank you, Phil and Kevin, for bringing me on board. Um, it's been amazing to work for you guys. and. Just wanted to say, appreciate you guys for the opportunity.
0: I hope if any of our employees ever get on the podcast, they thank to me. Thank me. Yeah, can, right? <laughs> a great opportunity. Um, <laughs> Phil and Kevin are, are great guys. Yeah. They've been good partners for us from uh, from day one, and. Um, and Steve the too. Are great. You know, we do a lot. Yep. I do a lot with Steve. Um, so I think it's you know I'm really excited to see where, where G Leaf continues to go, and appreciate the partnership. I'm so happy that um, you guys are in Bishopville, just cranking out these amazing concentrates. Um, we have a bunch of them in our facility right now. Uh, I personally have purchased a couple over the last uh, two weeks because they've been turning out. I think they got eight eight different types of live res products we've seen. Um, just top-notch stuff, guys. So, Alec, thank you so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. Um, where can people find you? Uh, you have an Instagram, or are you like a shady processor that stays away from the public? Um,
1: <laughs> I would I would go towards uh, G-Leaf, G-Leaf. G-Leaf's uh, Instagram. They have a Facebook, too, Greenleaf Medical. But, um, yeah, I think their Instagram is at GleafMD.
0: We'll have Brandon tag everything and put it in the article.
1: Um, Thanks again for wrapping up. Thank you very much for having me, guys. I really, really appreciate it.
2: Like, thank you very much. No worries, man. It was a pleasure. Good? Yeah.